Hey guys, this is Pastor Neil. I just want to say thank you so much for joining us today on this podcast. Hey, would you do us a huge favor today? Would you subscribe, like, or leave us a review wherever you get this content? It really helps us reach other people with the gospel. Also, we would love, love to see you at our campus uh, on a Sunday morning. We meet at 1010 South Bowie Drive in Weatherford, Texas. You can check out our service times and more information about the church on our on our website, waterhousechurch.com. Check us out on Facebook or any other social media sites that you may have. We would love to see you. I pray that today you are renewed, restored, refreshed, and that your spirit comes alive. Now here is today's message. And so today we are talking about uh, giving in a way, uh, we're talking about generosity in a way, but we're also talking about giving our lives to God and, and, and his, the fullness of who he wants us to give to him. And so we're talking today about first fruits. You know what first fruits are? If you don't, you're in a good place because I'm going to teach you what first fruits are today. So I want to read a passage from Matthew chapter 6, 24. If you can turn some lights on so I can see everybody's pretty face, that would be great. Make sure you're not falling asleep. <laughs> if you are, man, that's nothing better than a church nap, I'm telling you. That's okay. I won't be mad. I won't be mad. Get your sleep. Uh, so Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says to us, and I want you to hear this today. Usually we have you stand while I read this, but today I want you to sit and I want you to, to focus on the words that Jesus is saying to us this morning. And so Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, I'm reading today out of the English Standard Version. Jesus says this, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you'll drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is life not more than food, the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And I tell you the truth, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which has gone here today and gone tomorrow, and is thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows what you need when you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Father God, I pray today, Lord, that you would open up this message to these people. God, help me to speak your words. Lord, I pray that for us that are anxious today about tomorrow, anxious about our finances, anxious about what's going to happen when we walk out these doors, God, there's so many unknowns. But Lord, I pray that today we center ourselves and we trust you in all of it. God, not only in our finances, but our entire lives. Lord, let us seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. Lord, knowing that you're big enough, you, you have enough to supply all of our needs, all of, uh, not just physically, God, but spiritually emotionally, God, that you would take care of our families because you love us, you love us, and you care for us. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I'm talking today about firsts. 
What's the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning? <laughs> a lot of us for the first, yeah, first it's just habit, right? But some of us have our phone right next to us in our, on our nightstand. I have a bad habit. And, man, God convicted me when I was writing this message. I'm like, oh, I'm not putting you first in so many things, God. And so I'm coming to you just in the same boat you are. And I, I pray that as we leave here today that we really say, God, I'm going to put you first in everything. Not just in my finances, but my whole life. From the time I wake up to the time I go to bed, God, every part of my life is going to be set apart and you're going to be first. And the first thing I usually reach for is my phone. It's a bad habit, right? It's usually because the alarm goes off. i got to turn it off. But when I do that, I have a choice at that moment. I can look on my phone, look at my day, open my calendar, maybe check for my texts, look at the Ring app, see who's been sneaking up by my front door at night, which cat's been sneaking in my house, you know, sneaking outside. I have a bad habit of reaching for my phone and seeing what's on there. And, and so I know that's a bad habit. That's something I shouldn't reach for, but I do. What else do you do when you first wake up? What's the first thought that comes into your mind? <laughs> there you go. Go back to bed. Or maybe it's like, I don't want to get up today. There's so much I have to do. Maybe the thoughts of all the, the activities that you have to do. Maybe your list of to-dos are on there. Maybe you know it's going to be a tough day at work and you're dreading going to work and you're worried about it and you're anxious what are the first thoughts that enter your mind? Is it of God or is it of other things? What's, what's the first thing you say when you wake up? Oh, man, it's another day. Or do you say, God, thank you for the breath that I have in my, in my lungs. Thank you, God, that I get another day to serve you. And so what we're going to do today is learn about first fruits and learn how we can put God first in all things. And so disclaimer, this is a giving talk, which you already gave, so I can talk about it now. This is a giving talk, but it's more than finances. This is about centering your life around God and putting him first in all things, trusting that he can take care of the rest. And so I'm going to teach you today about first fruits and what first fruits are. And so what are first fruits? First fruits are simply uh, putting God first. Jesus clarifies in this passage that we read about him saying, don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Serve God first, and he's going to take care of the rest. He's simply kind of opening up this idea, this principle of first fruits. He's saying, put God first, and the rest of it will take care of itself. And so we're going to look back at Scripture and see what first fruits are. But first, I want to tell you what first fruits are. First fruits are simply uh, giving to God what he Deserves. And so here's the principle of first fruits. Leviticus 23, 9 through 12 says this. And the Lord spoke to God, Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land, I give you, and reap the harvest. Notice he says, When you come into the land, I give you. And you reap its harvest, you shall bring the sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. A lot of you are like, What is a sheaf? Right? There's an old hymn when the sheaves, you know, that's that song. I don't I didn't know what sheaves meant, but I'm gonna tell you what a sheaf is. So that was an agrarian society. Those people made their living off of farming and and raising animals. And so what would happen is God's telling them the as soon as you harvest the first bundle of wheat, don't harvest anything else. Grab that first bundle, bundle it up, take it to the house of the Lord, and do this. So the first sheaf is just it's a bunch of wheat. Okay? Simple enough. Why doesn't it say that? Well, it's because it's a sheaf. And so we have, and then he goes, take it to the priest, and he shall wave the sheaf before the Lord so that you may be accepted. Notice it doesn't say wave it before the Lord so that the sheaf is accepted, but that you are accepted. On the day after the Sabbath, 
the priest shall wave it. And on the day when you wave the sheaf, you shall offer a male lamb a year old without blemish as a burnt offering to the Lord. I want you to keep your finger on this passage. It's going to come to it at the end, and it's going to open Scripture to you, maybe in a way you've never, ever thought before. It blew my mind. I wonder this thought, oh, my goodness, this is what this is about. So you have that to look forward to at the end of the message. And so what are first fruits? First fruits are simply setting apart from this passage, setting apart the first and the best for God's purposes. The Hebrew word for, for, for first, fruits is the, first fruits is the word bakurum. And it literally translates into the promise to come. And so God is telling the people, bring your first, bring your best, because it's a promise that there's more coming where that came from. And so the idea of first fruits is bringing what we have to God, trusting in him, and knowing that he is our supplier. I'm going to talk a lot about that here in a minute. And so the first fruit offering is given, is giving the first part of the harvest, the best part, knowing that God will bless the rest. So the first question we are going to answer today is, why does God ask for our first fruits? What does God need with wheat and fruit and animal? Why does God need that stuff? It, it's not for him, it's for us. And so I want to talk to you about that. So why does God ask for first fruits? Uh, the first thing is that giving the first fruits reminds us of where our supply comes from. It reminds us of where our supply comes from. And he, remember what he said? He goes, when you come to the land that I gave you. So often we think that we earned it all. Like it's all mine. I did it all. It's all. I worked hard for this. And God's saying to you this morning, I gave you that job. I gave you the ability. I gave your talents. I gave you your strengths. I gave that to you. And he's simply saying, would you honor me with everything that you have? And he goes, when he says, when you come to the land I give you, God asks for the first. And so God is asking simply us to remember that he is our supply and that he is our provider. Because the problem is, is we, we don't realize that God is our provider, that God supplies our needs. It causes us to be anxious. This is why Jesus said this in the parable. This is why Jesus says this in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, don't be anxious. Don't be afraid. God is your provider. Why are you worried? Don't worry about all this stuff. Just serve God and, it's gonna, and God's going to take care of it. And I know those things are the things that pull on me most. You know, the questions of, will I have enough? The questions of, Will it be enough? What will tomorrow bring? There's a lot of questions about tomorrow, right? In the current state of the world we live in, things going on in Israel and Ukraine and around the world, and, and just people killing people at random. It's like, God, what is tomorrow going to bring? Am I going to have enough? And I'm telling you, the current issues of this world can bring anxiety upon me like no other. It can rob my peace. It can rob your peace. And God is saying, if you just learn to trust God, Learn to know that he is your provider. You can sleep easier at night. Of all the things that keep me up at night, it's the things that am I wondering if God's going to provide for it or not. When I lose sleep over the building project, it's like, God, are you going to give us enough to finish this? Am I going to look like a fool? Like you get part of it built and it's sitting there. God, are you really going to be enough? Are you really going to come through? But I'm telling you, if I trust God and we trust God, it's going to happen. Is he going to, you know, the question is how... When I retire, if I retire, I don't know what that looks like. Like, is it going to be enough? Is my family going to be taken care of? If I pass, is my family going to be taken care of? All these things we ask, right? All these things, they're legitimate things. They're, they're real worries. They're real anxieties. But God's saying, give those to me and just trust me. Like, serve me. Do what I ask. Be obedient. And I will take care of it. These worries steal our joy. And if we're careful, if we're not careful, we can, but again, that, like I said, 
all the things that we have came from us. And this is why Peter in 1 Peter 13 through 16 says this, and this is the main passage for the series we're in right now called Set Apart. We're learning to be set apart for him, and that's why we're learning to set apart our lives first for him. So he says this, so prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. The next three weeks, including today, are going to be talking about how to prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. And then he goes on to say, put all your hope in the grace of salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. Put your hope in Christ, not in stuff, not in what you have right now, not in the future. Put your trust in him because there's a great promise waiting for you. Don't slip back in your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. Stop chasing after your own stuff. Chase after Jesus. You didn't know any better then, but now you must be holy in everything you do. You must be set apart in all that you do, just as God who chose you is holy. I talked about God choosing you last week. God chose you to be holy. He's made you holy. You are holy. We're just learning to walk that out and to, and to do what God's asked us to do. For the scriptures say you must be holy because I am holy. I love what he says. Don't worry about things like those without hope. Jesus says, when you worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, all these things that we tend to worry about, you're, you're, you're acting like an unbeliever. You're acting like you don't have another source outside of yourself. But God is our source. This is what led Solomon, the, the wealthiest man to ever live, the wisest man to ever live, to say this. In, in, uh, in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9. And Solomon is actually writing to his son at the time. That whole proverb chapter 3 is him writing to his son. And he tells his son this, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Solomon understood this. As rich as Solomon was, he needed nothing. He had more than he needed. But he knew this, that everything he had came from God. And he was telling his son, son, when I'm gone and you inherit the kingdom, you need to do this. You need to realize that God supplied it. God gave it to you. Nobody else gave it to you. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruit of all your crops. Come to him and say, thank you, God, for giving me all of this. And if you've read scripture and you know history, Solomon's son did not do that. <laughs> he, was, he did not do well, but the advice was still given. And so I pray that you actually heed his advice today. And you may be thinking, Haha, honor, your, honor God with your wealth. I don't have any wealth, so I'm out. I ain't got to worry about it. But I'm telling you, whatever you have is wealth. Wealth isn't how much you have. Wealth is, is, is what is also promised. Remember the passage, the, the word uh, first fruits actually means a promise to come. Your wealth, you're, you have so much that you don't realize you have. As a believer, you have this spiritual inheritance that you don't realize you have. You are wealthy. If you're a believer today, you are wealthy. Amen. You have more than you'll ever know. It is waiting for us. And so God's saying, don't worry, man. You got so much coming to you. You just have to wait for it. You just have to wait for it. Solomon knew that God was his source. And Solomon knew that God was the one that gave him all that he needed. And if we don't realize that, then we become self-sufficient. There's a lot of self-sufficient Christians. It's like, God, I know you, you have it for me, but I'm going to do it. I got this. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to, I, I can make my own way, God. And, and you know, I know you said you're going to provide for me, but I don't trust you because I'm going to do all this stuff thinking it's going to bring me wealth and bring me what I think I need. Even in your own life, I'm, I'm going past money here. 
So often we don't give God our best. We don't think that, that, that he can give us the time to do things. He, we don't think he can give us the talent to do things. And so we try hard and we just do what's outside of his will. And if we're not careful, we become like King Nebuchadnezzar. You remember that story in scripture? If you're a kid, you probably heard it. So Nebuchadnezzar was the king. He, God allowed him to come take over Israel and Judah and to the final like straw and the camel's back in the, on the, the final straw, whatever that word is. Yeah, yeah, the phrase is, but God says, all right, Israelites, I've had enough. I've told you, you keep doing this. You're going to face judgment. He sends King Nebuchadnezzar in. He wipes him out. He takes some captive. He takes him back uh, to, his, to his palace, but King Nebuchadnezzar gets the big head. God made King Nebuchadnezzar to go to do this task, and Nebuchadnezzar even knew who God was because he had some guys from that community like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that showed him the power of God. And Nebuchadnezzar says, he gets up on his palace, he looks outside, he looks at his kingdom and says, I did this. Look how great I am. Look how amazing I am. Look what I've all done. Look how powerful I am. And in that moment, Daniel comes in and says, Nebuchadnezzar, you forgot who gave you this. And because you forgot who gave you this, God's going to humble you. And you're going to crawl on your, and you're going to eat grass for a number of years. I don't know about you, but I've been humbled by God. And it's not pleasant, but it's good. When God humbles us, he's, he's telling us, man, I've got so much better for you. Just turn back to me. We don't want to be like King Nebuchadnezzar. We want to be like Solomon. And we want to realize who our source is. And so when we give our first fruits, we're just simply saying, God, I know where this came from. And I know that there's more where that came from. You're saying, God, I'm giving this to you because I know that you gave it to me in the first place and I know there's more to come. There's a promise to come. And this is, like I said, it goes past our finances. It goes into our time. It goes into how we deal with people. It goes into how we serve at the church. We're saying, God, I know that you've given me everything that I have, everything that I am. And God, I'm going to give you my first. I'm going to give you my best because I know that there's going to be more where that came from. Because here's the biggest lie we tell ourselves. It's the more lie. It's, God, when I have a little bit more, then maybe I can give toward this campaign. God, maybe when I have a little bit more time, then I'll serve in the church. I know you've been telling me I need to go serve in the nursery and the pre-K because those kids need me. Yeah, but I just don't have the time. I don't have the energy. And then you, you lie and say, God, if I just had a little bit more talent, maybe I could serve on the worship team. Maybe I've just a little bit more talent. God, I could go do what you've called me to do. I just need to wait. And then often we get this, Lord, this is the biggest lie we tell ourselves. God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tithe when, maybe when I get that raise, maybe when I pay off some more debt, maybe when I get the promotion at work, maybe, maybe God, if I just get, an, if I get that extra 10%, then I'll give the 10%. But God's saying, no, give me the first, give me the best, and I'll take care of the rest. That rhymes. You can remember that. <laughs> it's the biggest lie we tell ourselves because here's the thing. You'll, it doesn't matter if you get a little bit more. You're just going to spend it on whatever. If you get more time, you're just going to blow it on something else. If you get more money, you're going to buy something else. Look, I, I love to spend money. This is why my wife does not like to spend money. I have to beg her to buy things for her. Like money flies out of my pocket because I like things. And it's a good thing that she stops me because we'd be broke. And what I'm saying is we, we just spend it because we have it. And I'm telling you, you have to trust God. 
in all that you have. You have to trust God in all that you have because if you don't and you don't realize that he's the source, you're going to be anxious all the time. When uh, about six years ago, this church, I was, a, I was on staff and it had dwindled down to just a few people and the finances were really bad and we're trying to figure out how we're going to you know, save the sinking ship. And so we started throwing stuff overboard like you do. And, you know, we had talked and we decided that, you know, we're going we're gonna to cut our paycheck quite a bit. And at that time, we really didn't have the finances to do that. But me and Debbie prayed about it. And I said, this is what I feel like God's wanting us to do is just take this pay cut and, you know, I'll work another job somewhere to make it the ends. And, you know, God, God's going to, you know, I just believe that that's going to help with the situation. And at the moment, it seemed good until the first round of bills came through. And then the bills started coming in. I'm like, oh, God, I don't know if this is going to make it because, you know, we barely made it before I took the pay cut. Now it's like really hard. But, God, I trusted you, and I felt like this is what you wanted us to do. And I remember that day. It was a Monday because on Mondays we have what we call drive-through prayer. Some of you have been uh, through that. And on Mondays, we had drive-through prayer, and I was out there, and I was just praying, God. I'm like, God, is this the right thing? I was full of anxiety, full of stress. And I'm like, God, how are we going to make meet me? I felt as, as I just felt less of a man because you're supposed to take, take care of your family, right, as a guy. And, and in that moment, I'm like, God, you said you're Jehovah Jireh. You said you're my provider, but I, need, I just don't know, God. And I remember being in that moment, and then about the time I was about to wrap it up, this guy pulls up in a pickup. He's like, hey, man, this is awesome. You're out here praying for people. And I was like, yeah, I just, I'm just out here praying, you know, doing what I can. And he said, uh, I have a meeting in Indi- for, with, a, with a missionary. They're going to India to help rescue women out of the sex trade. And I said, well, that's, that's pretty cool. And he's like, yeah. He goes, I just pray that God uh, helps me to, to, to do the right thing there and to help them. I said, okay. And so I prayed with him. And he goes, anything I can pray with you? I was like, yeah, no. I kind of copped it out. And I was like, I was really worried about finances, but I didn't say anything. I was like, you know, just I need wisdom, right? That's the, that's the cop out. I need wisdom. And so, you know, I just, I tried to, I tried to play it off and, you know, he prayed for me. And then when he left, he pulled back around because he usually goes, people just usually walk out, but he, he drove around purposely, came back around. He rolled down the passenger window. He looked at me and he handed me his, his card and some money. And he said, you know what? Jehovah Jireh. That's all he said. And I said, well, thank you. I didn't look how much you gave me. I didn't look at the card or anything. And it was $100. It could have been a million dollars at that point. It was God reminding me that he is my supplier, that he is the one that that takes care of us. And I've seen it over and over and over. He is our supply. We don't, look, look, we need to do our part. He's asking us to do our part. He's not telling you to be lazy and say, God, you're going to rain down money from heaven. No, you got to work. He gave us a job to do. But he's saying, I'm going to take care of you. I'm not going to let you, like your family starve. I'm going to take care of you. I don't know any times that God has taken care of us when we need it. I got millions of stories. And I'm telling you, if you, if you trust God, you got millions of stories because God's good that way. And it even comes to tithing. And this is the last time I'm going to talk about tithing today. All right? <laughs> but I remember when we first came to faith, me and my wife are sitting there and and uh, she's like, you know, I think we need to start tithing. It's in the Bible, and we need to do it. And I'm like, you're crazy. We can't make ends meet now. How are we going to give an extra 10% of what we have? 
And she's like, no, I think you really need this. I'm like, well, you know what? We're broke already. What's another 10% out the window, right? It's like, okay, whatever. And, and so we started tithing. And I'm telling you, since that moment that we started tithing in obedience, God has not only provided for us, but he's given us promotion. And he is uh, just blessed us. And I'm telling you, it's not all financial because here's something that happens when you start giving, your generosity muscle starts to build. And I'm telling you, and I'm not bragging here, but I'm telling you, we give, we've given away a lot of stuff. We've given away cars, we've given away money, and it's because God has blessed us to be able to do that. And God gives you things so you can bless others back. Yeah. I'm telling you, there's no greater feeling in the world than to bless somebody. When God says, I want you to give somebody this, and you're able to give it, and you're not like, oh, God, I don't know what I'm going to do. I just gave away all my food in the house, right? When you're able to give and say, God, I get to give this. God, it's yours. It's all yours anyway. I'm not missing anything, God, because I know there's more where that came from. And I'm telling you, if you just trust God, and this is, this is for you, and just, just trust God. He's got it taken care of. So he is our supplier. I beat that one down. So number two, why does God ask for first fruits? Number two is the giving of first fruits aligns our heart with God. It's just a simply an act of worship. You know, to give is to worship and to worship is to give. I'm telling you, you know, when we take up offerings and stuff like that, that's a form of worship. When you're giving to somebody, when you're being generous towards somebody, that's an act of worship. You're saying, God, this is, this is not mine, it's yours. I'm going to give it back to you. It's a form of worship. First fruits is a form of worship. Why did he ask them to come there? Here's the truth. Jesus said, you cannot serve God and money. The truth is we're all serving something. Jesus says, was saying the number one contender for your heart and for your affections is your stuff. The word money there is mammon. It's just stuff. God does not share his affections. He's a jealous God. He's not like the crazy ex-boyfriend jealous, right? He's jealous like a married couple. He is jealous like a husband towards his wife. He's like, nobody else gets her affections but me. And that's what he's asking for us. Nobody else gets, gets my affections but me, right, towards me. Because he has pointed his affections towards us. He is completely and utterly devoted. He is holy, is set apart for us. And he's asking us to simply be the same way. He's saying, I don't want your affections toward anyone else. God doesn't need your money, but he wants your heart. And so he's saying, God doesn't need your time, but he wants your heart. He's saying, I want your heart. I want all of you. I want your affections towards me. And if we're not careful, we, came, we become like Cain who got angry with God because he didn't accept his offering. I want to read this to you because here's the thing. I've seen people leave the faith over this stuff. God's not answering my prayers, not giving me what I want. I asked God for this and he said no. So God's not real. God doesn't care about me. And if there is a God, he's angry. And I'm telling you, God only gives you what you can handle. God only gives you what you can handle. And often we get mad at God because he doesn't supply what we think he needs to supply when really we need to love God for who he is and not what he can give us. Too often we love God for what he can give us. And God's saying, no, just love me for who I am. Seek first my kingdom and then all these things will be added unto you. And so in the course of time, Genesis 4, 3, 4, 3 7, we're going to look at Cain. We're going to look at Abel. We're going to see how their offerings differed because we need to have the right heart. Like I said, it's a form of worship when we give. 
when we set apart the first fruits. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of fruit of, from the ground, and Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and of all their fat portions. And the Lord regarded, the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. And so Cain was very angry and he, his face fell. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do, do not do well, sin is crouching at your door. It's desires to contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Cain and Abel both offered a sacrifice. Abel came with the first fruits. Abel came and gave God his first and his best and he gave it with an attitude of worship, devotion, and honor. Abel honored God with his first. He gave, and he basically he saw the pregnant lamb, and he said, "That's the first one that's going to be born. That's the first one I'm giving." He predecided beforehand and saying, "I'm going to give God my first, and I'm going to give Him the best." When that lamb came out, it was perfect without blemish, and he says, "I'm giving God this." But Cain gave his leftovers. Cain came to God and he said, hey, hey, Lord, where did I put it? Where did I put my leftovers? Here they are. Lord, I'm, I'm finished eating this apple. You want the rest? There's, you know, there's still a little bit left. He gave him a leftover. He gave him some dirty, he gave him some rotten banana peels and some old lettuce and said, God, will you bless this? It's like there's nothing left to bless. You gave me your leftovers. You didn't come to me in the right attitude. You didn't come to me in the right heart. How am I going to look upon that? The word where it says that he, that he recognized it or that he, what's the word? Uh, he was accepted. He had regard for. That's simply saying that he turned his face toward. Like somehow our giving, somehow our, our worship to God gets his attention. When our worship is in the right attitude, when the worship is with the right heart, it gets God's attention and God's saying, Abel, Thank you. I'm going to bless you. Now, we don't know how he blessed him, but it was obviously obvious to Cain that it was blessed. Maybe his flocks increased. Maybe, you know, I don't know what God did for him, but obviously there was a blessing placed upon Abel. And Cain had a curse placed. He's like, I'm not going to listen. I don't want your old apple, dude. You got to honor me. I'm, I'm the Lord God. And Cain's offering was not blessed. And notice Cain takes it personal. God didn't reject Cain. He rejected his offering. And, and Cain took it personal, said, God, you rejected me. I'm not trying. And he says, look, Cain, sin is crouching at your door. It wants to conquer you, but you need to conquer it. In other words, you need to change your attitude towards me. Good. You, need, you need to realize that I'm the one that blesses. Stop giving me your leftovers and give me your first and your best, and you'll do right. Trust me, Cain. Trust me with what you have. Nothing will hinder your life more than giving God your leftovers. You're asking God to bless things, and you're just giving him what you got left over. God, bless my time. At the end of the day, I'm giving my last three seconds for my, before I go to sleep. God, would you bless the works of my hands after I've done it? So often we give God the leftovers, and he's asking for the first. Worship him with everything that you have. You cannot have a divided heart with God. The truth is you'll either serve God or you're going to end up serving your fruit. You serve stuff, and I'm telling you, stuff will enslave you. How many of you are feeling that right now? You're in a lot of debt. 
like, man, I feel like I'm a slave to my truck payment. It's enslaving you. You have to work hard for it. I'm telling you, stuff will always enslave you. But God will always bless you. So serve God and not stuff. This is what Jesus was saying. Thirdly, why does God ask for our first fruits? Because he gave us his first fruits first. What? God gave us first fruits? See, God's not asking us to do something he hadn't already done for us. He's not, he's not telling you to do something that he hasn't done. And this is so amazing because when Peter told us to be set apart as he is set apart, he's saying, God's already shown you the way. God's already made the way for you to be holy. All you got to do is walk it out because God gave us the first fruits. What's the first fruits? 1 Corinthians 15, 21 says this. So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. Y'all going to come up. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. But there is an order to this resurrection. I want you to get this. Christ was raised as the first of the harvest. Other translations say Christ was the first fruits. Then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. This is phenomenal. Did you read that? If you go back, okay, let's go back to Leviticus. I'm excited about this. You're not excited about it. Leviticus. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the people of Israel and say to them, when you come into the land that I give you and reap its harvest, you shall bring the sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. And then he goes on to say, and he shall wave the sheaf before the Lord so that you may be accepted. What did Jesus do for us? He made us accepted. He was the first fruits. When Jesus rose from the dead, it's like God was waving him around saying, there's more to come. Like there's more to this. There's a promise to come. He's the first one resurrected. You will be resurrected. You will be the new harvest. That's exciting. I don't know what you're excited. That's good. Then he goes, on the day after the Sabbath, when was Christ raised? All right. The priest shall wave it. And on the day when you wave the sheaf, you shall, make an, you shall offer a lamb a year old without blemish as a burnt offering to the Lord. Jesus is our sheaf. Jesus is our lamb. If you read the Old Testament through these eyes, that everything in here is a type and a shadow of Christ, you'll actually enjoy reading Leviticus. And Numbers and all those other books, you're like, why are these in here? It's talking about, it's all pointing to Christ. Jesus is the first fruit offering for us. So God isn't asking us to do something he hasn't done for us already. He says, just be set apart. As I am set apart, I've set you apart. Jesus was set apart so we could be set apart. So I don't know where you're at today, but I pray that you put God first. What would our lives look like, man, if we woke up in the morning and our first breath was, thank you, God, for this beautiful day you've given to me. Our first thoughts were, God, how can I serve you today? I'm giving you my first and my best. The first thing our hands reach for is our Bibles. The first thing our hands reach for is, is, is God's work. What if the, the first steps we take, we say, God, lead me today in the way that you want me to go. All of my steps are ordered by you. That's scripture saying, God, let everything about me praise the Lord. Let everything about me worship you. What would it look like if we truly put God first in all things? I'm telling you, huge blessing. It's not a transactional thing, guys. It's just an act of worship. And it's an act of saying, God, thank you for setting me apart. And so I don't know where you're at today. 
but God wants you to know that he puts you first. So he's just asking you to put him first. Will you stand with me? And so for the altar call this morning, I'm going to ask you a couple questions to come up and get prayer. And I pray that you do come up because these people are trained. They love you. They, they have a word for you. And this ministry team is precious. And so I pray that you let them speak to you. So today, maybe you're just fearful. You're full of anxiety about the future, about tomorrow. Maybe financially, you just don't know if you're going to be able to hang on for another day. Maybe you need to come to God. Maybe you need to say, God, I'm going to trust you today with this. I'm going to put my hands off of it and say, Lord, I'm trusting you. I'm going to put you first in all things. Maybe that's you today. Today, it is an act of repentance, meaning we're turning back to the Lord. Today, maybe you need to turn back to the Lord and say, Lord, forgive me for not putting you first. Forgive me, Lord. I'm, I'm putting a stake in the ground today, and I'm saying, Lord, you're first. From now on, every time I get up, you're first. Every time I get paid, you're first. Every time I'm with my family, you're first. God, it doesn't matter wherever I'm at, you're first. In all things, God, you're first. Today, let's make God the first thing. Let's give him our first fruits, the best and the first. We thank you, Lord, for that. So if that's you, just come get prayer. And the second thing I want to say is maybe today you've never given your life to Jesus. You didn't realize that God loved you in this way, that Jesus died for your sins on the cross, that he was the first fruits, that he was the first one to obey. And because of what he's done for us, we have this hope. Man, some of you in here don't have any hope. You're wondering what tomorrow's gonna bring. You thought about taking your life. You thought about quitting. You thought about giving up even on your marriage. And God's saying, just trust me with it. Give it to me. Let me deal with it. Let me handle it. I can take care of it. But he's saying, first, you have to let me in your life. And so I pray today that you would give your life to Jesus. And you may not have any idea how to do that. Come talk to these people. They'll lead you through it. And they'll give you some next steps to go. And so, Father, we're going to pray. And we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Whatever you need, come get prayer. She's going to lead us in a song. Father, I pray today that you draw everyone up that needs prayer. Lord, that you would give them the words they need. God, that you would give them the encouragement they need. God, let us all put a stake in the ground today saying, God, you're first from now on. I'm not going to seek after my own way. I'm not going to seek after my own things. I'm going to take a step of faith, Lord. Take a step of faith saying that I trust you for all things. We love you. We thank you, God. I pray for this person that's going to come up and give their life today. God, it's burning in their heart. I know they're coming up, and I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, God, meet us in this place. Amen.